Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and I'm really excited about today's episode, and I know you guys are too. In fact, we have this Primal Potential Facebook group. It is open to everybody, uh, just an easier place than the normal interwebs for me to share and connect with so many of you. And the other day, I asked, prior to writing the Sunday VIP email, I asked the group, what could I talk about in Sunday's email that would be helpful to you? And from the responses, I decided to create an email on developing emotional resilience. And I did just that. And the responses I got to the email made it super clear that we needed to dive into this with a little bit more specificity and also a conversation about boundaries and enforcing boundaries. So today we are talking about the practice of building emotional resilience, what it is, how we practice, some real life examples, and how do boundaries come into play here? Because if we are building up this resilience to the actions, inactions, words, deeds of others, how does that jive with ensuring that we have boundaries for our own lives, for ensuring that we are being treated with respect by the people closest to us? Before we dive into what I think is going to be a fantastic conversation about emotional resilience, I want to remind you guys that we have a very cool free e-series coming up. It starts on May 6th, and it's all about mental and emotional spring cleaning. So a little inside look into my life. I am sitting at my kitchen table right now because my office is under construction. I can see it. It's coming along nicely. I can see it through the window from where I'm sitting. Um, And Sarah is presently across the table from me doing some work, serving folks in the 12 Weeks to Transformation. And when she came in this morning, I was like, I got to show you what I did this weekend. And I walk out with a couple of trays, one of bras and one of underwear. (laughs) True story. All folded so beautifully because I am doing some spring cleaning, Marie Kondo style. It feels amazing. I bought these little organizers for my underwear. Yes, I folded all of my underwear. I bought new organizers for some of the drawers in my kitchen. And every time a load of laundry comes out of the dryer, I have a renewed enthusiasm to fold those clothes Marie Kondo style, and it is amazing. That feeling that we get when we create order, when we simplify and we streamline, and when we get rid of the crap and the junk and the clutter in our lives, that feeling of being refreshed, of being rejuvenated, somehow all of a sudden because we folded our underwear, we feel a little bit more capable and a little bit more eager to take great care of ourselves. It's very true of our physical belongings. But where we miss the mark often and we leave a lot of stones unturned is in the clutter in our minds. 
We value because we can see the benefit of cleaning out the fridge and cleaning out the pantry and cleaning out the closet or the junk drawer. And that feeling is so real and has a ripple effect. But what about the clutter, the junk, the old stuff we don't need anymore in our own minds? And so that is what this free week-long e-series is all about. Spring cleaning mindset style. Identifying and removing those mental and emotional barriers. Literally spring cleaning your own brain. Cleaning up your own thoughts. What is an e-series? I don't know. I'm just calling it an e-series. It is an email a day for a week. Featuring each day a different tool, tactic, strategy, approach, something you can do, put into practice to clean up your own mind so that we can have an even more powerful sigh of relief like, oh, that feels good. That feeling when you've organized your closet and you walk in and you're like, oh, I love it in here. It's amazing. I hope it stays this way forever. Or that feeling when your kitchen is cleaned and organized and every drawer has been cleaned out and you got rid of all the stuff you don't need anymore. We're doing that for your mind and it's free. It starts on May 6th. The only caveat is, and this is the tiniest one possible, you have to be on the email list because if you're not, you're not going to get the emails. There is a separate email list for this because I don't want it to clutter up the inbox of anybody who doesn't want it. So what you need to do If you want to be a part of this free week-long e-series on mental and emotional spring cleaning is go to primalpotential.com forward slash 593. That's the show notes page for today's episode. Primalpotential.com forward slash 593. And under the word resources, about halfway down the page, the first thing you're going to see under that word resources is a hyperlink to the spring cleaning e-series. Click that, drop in your name and email address. Good to go. We start on May 6th. So Monday, May 6th will be your first email. Okay, let's get into today. Emotional resilience and boundaries. As strange as this might seem, and I spent a lot of time thinking about this this morning, I have decided, chosen to believe and tell myself that the fact that I get critical feedback every single day as part of my work is a huge blessing. Because it is giving me opportunity on opportunity on opportunity to practice building emotional resilience. Even if you don't have a kind of job where you get critical feedback on the regular, though many of us do, you probably have all those opportunities in your own life. Any interaction that you have with somebody, whether a telemarketer on the phone, the person at the end of the 800 number you called to fix your dryer, or your boss, your coworker, your spouse, your kids, your mother-in-law, your good friend. Every interaction you have that maybe makes you feel a little agitated, hurt, sad, irritated, frustrated is an opportunity to practice developing this critical skill of emotional resilience. And I'll tell you why I believe it's a critical skill. It is one of the most powerful things you can do to build consistency and mood stability, is to develop, to choose to practice in those hard moments, building, using that moment to build emotional resistance. Because without it, or emotional resilience, although resistance may be a little bit true as well, resilience. Without emotional resilience, we give everyone around us 
the bank teller with the attitude, coworkers, family, friends, even news anchors on the TV. We give them the power over our mood if we do not develop emotional resilience. And every single tough moment where you are hurt, angry, sad, distressed, agitated, angry, is a chance to build this critical skill that is going to make you happier and more stable. Without it, what happens? You get pissed off, frustrated, stressed out a hundred times a day. All it takes is for that guy who was a step and a half in front of you to not hold the door for you to get pissed. You can't be happy if those things set you off all the time. If an email that you think had a tone ruffles your feathers, then you are asking for emotional inconsistency and volatility. You have given away, you have outsourced control over your own emotions to anybody you interact with. Because the guy at the end of the line when you called to, you know, get a cashier's check from your bank or something is dismissive or distracted or not helpful and you're aggravated about it for the next 30 minutes and some people, they're aggravated about it and talking about it for the next 24 hours, you will be less happy than you could be, less at peace than you could be, less consistent than you could be. And so why I'm talking about this is because we all have an opportunity to take back control over our emotional state, to be happier more often, to have less stress in our lives. And I want that for you. And I want that for me. This morning, as I was driving to the post office in the grocery store, I just kept repeating to myself about an email that I had gotten This is an opportunity for me to get better. This is an opportunity for me to build emotional resilience because I can choose to perseverate and to play it over and over again in my head and to be hurt or sad or disappointed, frustrated, stressed out, or I can choose to use these tools that we're going to dive into today to become more emotionally resilient in this moment. And that is what I choose, to use it as an opportunity to be better and do better. This has come up a lot in the last week or so in the 12 Weeks to Transformation. I communicate with my clients there in a wide variety of ways. Sometimes it's over email. Sometimes it's over the phone. Sometimes it's in a discussion board or a Facebook group or on a live Q&A. And what has happened repeatedly is somebody will message me or let me know in some way that a family member or a friend or a coworker did something or said something, and my client, the person sharing this with me, was hurt, was angry, was disappointed, worked themselves up over this situation. And what I see is this beautiful, amazing opportunity to use that situation to build emotional resilience. Now, I am not here to suggest that the words, actions, inactions of others should have no impact on us. Nope, I'm not saying that at all. But I I am here to suggest that we can improve our response to those things and we need to improve our response to those things for the sake of our own happiness and our own emotional stability. And I will also say that I am not sharing this from some like rose-colored glasses, out of touch, my life is so easy point of view. You will remember, and I shared this when we started this conversation in Sunday's VIP email, that when I had my own mom on the podcast just two years ago, I said, mom, 
I feel like I wasn't good enough for you. And she said, you weren't on the podcast. And my first thought was, oh my gosh, my listeners are going to kill you. But really, that did hurt. And also, it was an opportunity for me to build emotional resilience. She is allowed to feel that way. And I am allowed to not like it. And I am allowed to be at peace with it and be happy, right? We can use every one of these moments, big or small, with our parent, with our spouse, with our best friend, but also with the guy that cut us off in traffic or the guy or girl who didn't hold the door at the grocery store to improve our emotional resilience. There's a quote that I remind myself of often. It comes from Brigham Young, and it says, He who takes offense where no offense is intended is a fool. And he who takes offense when offense is intended is a greater fool. He who takes offense when no offense is intended is a fool. So that person that didn't hold the door and you're like, seriously, I'm right here. Hey, thanks. No offense was intended there. The person who didn't hold the door, your feathers don't need to get ruffled. That is an easy, low-hanging fruit opportunity to build your emotional resilience by saying to yourself, no offense was intended. I'm sure I have been paying attention to something else and not glanced over my shoulder to realize somebody was a step and a half behind. I'm sure on a dozen of occasions, if not a hundred occasions, I have not noticed an opportunity to hold the door for somebody else. And maybe you're thinking, oh, come on, Elizabeth, I don't get aggravated if somebody doesn't hold the door. Well, maybe it is the short-tempered response from your boss in a meeting. And you're sitting there stewing, that was rude, blah, 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 blah. It could very well be that no offense was intended and you took it. You took offense where none was intended. Maybe... Your boss didn't sleep that night. Maybe there's something else going on or the meeting's running over or there's factors that you aren't aware of that are contributing to that what you perceive to be short-tempered response. Or maybe you weren't invited out with a group of friends and you've taken offense where none was intended. Maybe they just ran into each other. Maybe there was a reason that they didn't include you that has nothing to do with you at all taking offense where none was intended. And then alternatively, if you're like, oh, no, 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 I knew they meant to hurt me. All the more reason to not take offense. That's not about you. That's about them. I shared in the VIP email about how I had an opportunity to practice this in my own personal life. Someone called me a couple of names, clearly with the intent to hurt me. Like they were out of the blue and completely untrue. And I am a fool to take offense when offense is intended, because that's not about me. Those words, those judgments, they're not about me. They're about the other person. And I have a choice to invest my emotion and my energy into that or not to. I am not saying that is easy. It takes practice. And thank God for all the opportunities we're all going to have to practice. Sometimes we do initially get our feathers ruffled. Okay, cool. Once you realize, here I am stewing on this thing, 
redirect to the tools we're going to talk about as we go forward in this episode, redirect to, hey, this is actually an opportunity for me to build emotional resilience. He who takes offense where none is intended is a fool. And he who takes offense when offense is intended is a greater fool. One of the most immediate ways to practice building your emotional resilience is just by immediately assessing, was insult intended? Let's say you ask your spouse to empty the dishwasher before they go to bed. And they're like, oh, yeah, of course. And you say, are you going to remember? Yes, I'm going to remember. And then you wake up the next morning and you go to put your coffee cup in the dishwasher and you realize they didn't empty the dishwasher. And you are irritated. Seriously, I asked you to do one thing and you didn't do it? Time out. Let's use this. This is a gift. This is an opportunity. You cannot build this without the opportunities to practice. So thank you, universe, for this opportunity to practice. Step one, was insult intended? No, they just forgot. They didn't sit there and scheme and say, oh, I'm really going to hurt her. I'm really going to hurt him if I don't empty this dishwasher. So, (laughs) I'm going to consciously choose not to do it. No, no insult was intended. Therefore, take no offense. That doesn't mean you let it go. When they come downstairs, you can say, hey, I know I mentioned emptying a dishwasher and I'm sure it slipped your mind, but can you do it now? And what can we do next time so that I don't wake up and feel like what I requested wasn't important to you? Because I'm sure it is important to you, but sometimes I can then create this story in my head. I'll work on that part, not creating a story that like what I want isn't important to you because that might not be true. If you will work on doing what you say you'll do. So the first way to practice this is just by immediately assessing was insult intended. Maybe you get an email that seems to you to be curt, to be short, to be brief. Was insult intended? What I do for myself when I get an email that I'm like, whoa, okay, like a little little much maybe, is I ask myself, do I think this person was trying to hurt me? Chances are they responded quickly. They responded in emotion. It's not more about me than it is about them. No, I I really don't think that they were intending to hurt me. And if they were, well, I'm not going to choose to take that on. That's about them. It's not about me. And again, this takes practice. So step one, was insult intended? Now, the caveat is Do I know for sure? Because in your emotion, your frustration, your anger, your sadness, whatever it is, you might be telling yourself, yes, yes, insult was intended. Yes, they knew this would upset me. So then I want you to ask, do I know for sure that they meant to hurt me? And really, the only way we can know for sure is if they tell us. Do I know for sure, or am I maybe loading in some of my own emotions, some of my own frustrations, some of my past experiences into this? If you answer, yes, they intended to hurt me, do I know for sure? That might slow you down enough to be like, no, I'm just pissed. (laughs) No, I'm just insecure. No, I'm just hypersensitive to people breaking promises to me, but I really don't know for sure that they intended to hurt me or cause me harm. The next question I want you to ask yourself is, what assumptions have I made? 
this is huge. And if you have not yet read the book, The Four Agreements, read The Four Agreements. I will link to it in the show notes. In fact, it's not there right now, so I'm going to make myself a note. Four Agreements. One of the four agreements is make no assumptions. One of the common areas where I see people making assumptions is when they read in and create or assume a tone or attitude in email or text message. Danger, 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 danger. What assumptions have I made here? I will sometimes, especially with clients, let's say that I send somebody an email and I've just typed it out and they come back and say, well, that was really harsh or something like that. I'll send them a voice note and I will say, let me read this email to you in two different ways. One is the way you took it, harsh. The other is the way I intended it, which had no harshness whatsoever. Understand that you made an assumption that my tone was this way that you took it when that wasn't true at all. So what assumptions have I made? And one of the things that's very practical and helpful for me in my own life is not only to catch myself when I'm making assumptions, but to communicate them. So what I'll often do with my boyfriend, if he says something and I assume that he's aggravated or irritated because of his tone or his word choice, I'll just say so. I know you didn't tell me that you're irritated. I know you didn't tell me that you're mad at me. But I am making an assumption about your tone right now. And I know I shouldn't make assumptions, but I just recognized that I did that. And I know you didn't say that. So I'm asking you, are you pissed? Are you aggravated? Are you irritated? And then I have to take it at face value. And if it's yes, let's deal with that. And if it's no, well, look at me making assumptions and being wrong, which happens all the time. Was insult intended? Do I know for sure? What assumptions have I made? really evaluating, do I believe that this person or this situation was intended to cause me harm? Usually the answer is no, right? And am I sure about that? Have I made assumptions? These are questions we've got to really establish as a practice for ourselves. If you feel that someone did intend to hurt you, You can now own the reality that you have a choice about whether or not you'll invest your energy and or your emotion into the situation. You have the opportunity in every situation, whether you believe insult was intended or not, to decide what meaning you will make from it and how much of your energy you will give to it. Too many of us stay on the same thing over and over and over again for days and days and days and sometimes years. In fact, and I've shared this story before, so I won't go into the details of it. There was, when I worked in corporate, before I started Primal Potential, there was a particular meeting at the company I worked for. And there was this gentleman who worked in IT And he and I didn't have a really great working relationship. And I came in full of assumption and I snapped at him and I was unkind and I was short-tempered. And when I think back to that meeting, it still bothers me. I still am attaching meaning. I still am putting energy and emotion into it. 
And when I notice that, I'm like, I have an opportunity here to let it go. Because when it pops back into my memory, sometimes I can be like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. That is so embarrassing. Blah, 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 blah. Elizabeth, this is a chance to practice letting go. I'm not going to keep replaying that thing from like seven years ago. That's crazy. It was seven years ago. It's done and it's gone. And whether he remembers or he doesn't remember doesn't get changed by my fixating on it. You know, let it go. Let it go. The other piece of emotional resilience. This is a big one. Oh, gosh, do I get 100 opportunities a day to practice this. Standard setting for other people. Oftentimes, we get our feathers ruffled when we are taking our standards, how we think we should communicate, how we want to treat people, and we're putting them on other people. And my boyfriend is honest enough to point this out in me all the time. I'll say, I don't understand why they would be so unkind. I don't understand why they think it's okay to talk to people that way. And he'll say, you don't have to. Because my standard for being nice, my standard for being kind, my standard for acting with integrity is my standard. And it's not anybody else's. I don't set the standards because I choose to live this way doesn't mean that somebody else does. And when I think back to who I was 10 years ago, I had different standards then. And if I lived today by my standards 10 years ago. Oh, that would not be good. But it was where I was then. It was a result of my experiences. It was a function of where I was at in my life and in my work on myself. And everybody's on a different journey. Everybody's had a different upbringing. Everybody's had different exposure to ideas and information. My standards are not your standards. So for me to get upset because you're not living up to my standards, well, I don't set your standards. That is my opportunity to stay in my lane and say, Elizabeth, you do not get to decide how other people communicate. Just because this way of communicating is right for me does not mean that it's right for anybody else. My standard is just my standard. It is not anybody else's. So checking yourself when you are standard setting for other people. One of my clients messaged me the other day. Uh, this came up actually on a Q&A. We do live weekly Q&As in the 12 Weeks to Transformation. And somebody said, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of difficult people in my work. And I'm struggling to not engage with their negativity. Well, difficult is you being judgmental of them. Of you saying, my way is this way. And since they're not that way, since they are not meeting my standard for whatever, communication, follow through, integrity, leadership, whatever, they're somehow missing the mark. You don't get to set the standards for other people. And we get, we move to the top of the line in terms of emotional resilience when we realize my standards are my standards, but they're not your standards. So just because I wouldn't speak to you that way doesn't make you wrong for communicating differently. Now, we'll talk about boundaries in a minute. I don't have to allow disrespect in my life, but to get all frazzled because somebody doesn't live by my standards, how wacky is that? My standards are mine. And they're a result of what I've been through and they're a result of the work that I've done on myself and nobody else has had my experience. Why would I expect anybody else to have my standards? 
Just because you have a personal standard of not talking behind people's back doesn't mean that somebody else has that standard. And I can sit here and wish all day long that people had that standard, but I am not the standard setter. So I then get to decide, do I want these people in my life, yes or no? Do I want to address my discomfort with people talking behind my back or do I want to let it go? But for the love of Mike, I'm not going to say, you should be doing it my way. And if you're not doing it my way, you're wrong. It might be that your way is different than my way and I'm not comfortable having you close in my life because it doesn't feel good for me, that's totally different. But I am not your standard setter. You are not my standard setter. You might not like the way I communicate some things. You might not like my delivery in some things. And that's okay because you have your standards and I have mine. I want to go through a few questions that you can ask yourself in addition to the ones we've already covered in terms of like, do I know that insult was intended? Am I sure? What assumptions have I made? And if you haven't yet read Chasing Cupcakes, that's a really great tool for additional questions. In fact, there's over 200 questions you can ask yourself to become a better thinker, and almost all of them will help you build this emotional resilience. But here are a few other ones that you can ask yourself to practice building emotional resilience. What is the difference between what actually happened and what I've added to the story? What is the difference between what actually happened, the facts, and what I've added to the story, assumptions, feeling, intent? This is really interesting. Somebody in uh, the Primal Potential Facebook group, the big free public one, posted, uh, I don't know, a week or so ago that they had been sick. And while being sick, they had lost five pounds. And now this person was feeling really motivated to keep the weight off. And somebody emailed me and said, oh, my gosh, did you see this post? This person's been barfing all week and now she's afraid to put the weight back on. And I'm like, that's not what was said at all. I understand how you could make up a story about that, but that's what it is. What is the difference between what actually happened and what you added? And we actually went through this together. I said, what actually happened is... This person said they were sick and they lost five pounds and now they're motivated. What you added to that is that they were barfing and they're afraid. But that's not what happened. So what is the difference between what actually happened and what you've added to the story? What have you added to the facts? Get clear first on what the facts are. A question I love to ask myself is what else could this mean? I remember when I first started dating my boyfriend, uh, I lived about an hour and a half away from where he lived. And if on a Friday night or something, he didn't come up to where I lived, I could create this story of like, he'd rather be with his friends than be with me. And this question, what else could this mean? Was such a great one. Maybe he's really tired. Maybe there's something important going on with his friends. Maybe it's amazing that he's a guy who wants to spend time with his friends. Maybe he's giving me space because I like space. What else could this mean? He doesn't feel like driving, right? 90 minutes one way. What else could this mean other than what you've invented? Another question that I love to ask myself is, what if I decided not to take this so seriously? What if I decided to laugh about it? What if I decided to just decide that this isn't all that important and it's really not worth my energy, my attention, or certainly my aggravation, what if I just decided to not take this or myself or this situation so freaking seriously? Then the other part, 
especially when there's negativity involved, anger, frustration, disappointment, what's my role in this? What I will find when I answer that question honestly is that maybe I could have communicated better. Maybe I could have been more clear about what was important to me or my needs or my fears or my feelings. What is my role in this? Maybe my role is that I made assumptions. Maybe my role is that I wasn't clear in my communication. Whatever it is, what is my role in this? Instead of making it all about the other person or part of the situation that has nothing to do with you. Another question to ask yourself to build emotional resilience, am I focused on the problem or am I focused on the solution? Am I setting the standards for somebody else? Am I being judgmental? Am I placing my values on somebody else and assuming that because these are my values, they should be yours? And one of the ones I turn to most often and I, and I find the most excitement in, is there a way that I can learn and grow from this? Is there an opportunity for me to be better because of this? Maybe it's I choose not to take offense. Maybe that growth for me in that moment is in practicing not making assumptions about what somebody meant or what somebody intended. Maybe my opportunity for growth in that moment is taking the interaction at face value without making meaning of it. Maybe the opportunity for growth is in letting it go, not hanging on to it and replaying it over and over and over. Maybe that is my practice. That's my opportunity. Sometimes my opportunity is to be somebody that takes things a little bit more lightly instead of so seriously. Laugh it off. Or maybe it's an opportunity to see how somebody else was right. To see what I can learn from their perspective, even if it isn't my perspective. What's right in how they're seeing this? Or what can I understand about their perspective? And maybe there's an opportunity for me to see how I could do things differently next time. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I want to transition into a little discussion about boundaries. None of this means that we don't have boundaries. I'm going to say that again for people who have taken this to mean that we should just allow people to disrespect us or be unkind. Nope. None of this means that we don't have boundaries. Emotional resilience is about not getting offended by somebody's verbiage in an email or not getting angry at your spouse because they forgot to empty the dishwasher or not getting mad at your friends because you weren't included in the plans last weekend. Emotional resilience is about not taking your dad's tendency towards negativity or cynicism personally, not making it about you, not making that person wrong, not setting your standards and your values onto other people and expecting that they're going to live by your rules or do it your way. Personal boundaries are something else altogether. Though I am totally open to the fact that this is my personal belief and only my own, and you do not have to adopt this as your own, I personally believe that we teach people how to treat us by what we tolerate. We teach people how to treat us by what we tolerate. So if we repeatedly put up with something from someone, whether it's disrespect, unkindness, dishonesty, that is real, not something that is implied or assumed, something that is real, then we're teaching them that it is okay for them to treat us that way. So the first step to this boundary piece is knowing what you won't tolerate. 
The second step is communicating that because nobody's just going to divine that information, communicating it clearly. And then the third step is living by it. So if you say you don't tolerate lying, but then you just get mad and you sulk when somebody lies, then you are teaching them that it is okay to treat you that way. That is my personal belief. Now, what if this person is family? Well, I can't cut somebody out of my life because they lied. Look, family is always going to be family, right? And we can still have boundaries with them. I never said anything about cutting anybody out, right? But that is a fear that comes up from a lot of people. Like, what am I supposed to do? I can't cut out my mom. Well, you could, but you choose not to. And I respect that choice a thousand percent. And you can have people in your life and have boundaries without cutting them out. So the first thing is, did you communicate to them in the first place that this was a boundary of yours? And if not, this is a really great opportunity to do that. Hey, look, you're family, and I love you, and I will always love you. But I'm trying to take better care of myself, and part of how I'm doing that is establishing a boundary where I don't tolerate dishonesty. So I want you to be a close person to my life, but in order for that to be the case, in order for me to really invest in this relationship and allow you into my inner circle, there has to be honesty, And if there's not, hey, look, you're always family and I will always love you, but I can't have you in my innermost life if we don't have that respect and trust that comes from being honest. Oftentimes, we just haven't communicated those boundaries. I had to do this early on with my boyfriend. In fact, I don't even think it was all that early on. And I don't even remember what exactly happened. I'm trying for the life of me. I can remember telling my mom about it, but I don't remember exactly what the situation was that he wasn't honest about, but I was devastated because I said to my mom, like, lying, I've always told myself, like, this is a deal breaker for me, but wait, have I told him? And so what I said was, I love you and I want to be with you, but if I show you that it's okay for you to lie to me, by just getting mad, storming off, having a couple days of like being pissed and then it goes back to normal, then what I've done is I've shown you that it's okay to lie and it's not. So my standard is, my boundary is, you must be honest with me at all times no matter what. Are you able to live that way with total honesty, yes or no? Because if that happens again, if you agree to this boundary and you do it, then there is no relationship and I want you to know that I'm serious about that. I do this with my clients too, not about lying, but I have a boundary of respect. So you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to like my style. You don't have to agree with every decision that I've made, but to communicate with me, it must be done with kindness and respect. And as soon as there is not kindness or there is disrespect, I'm not engaging. That is my standard. That is my boundary. So it doesn't mean I hate you. I'll never speak to you again, but it means I will only resume this conversation when you are willing to do so with kindness and respect. But at this point, because you are communicating without kindness, because you are communicating without respect, this conversation won't continue. I would love to continue it when you can respect my boundary so you let me know. I can't make people live in alignment with my boundaries. I invite them 
to it. I communicate my boundaries clearly. And, you know, for people that are like acquaintances, I, I don't, I'm not like, hey, we go to the gym together. These are my boundaries. Take it or leave it. Like, no, I, you know, that you certainly could, but that's not my style. But I make it really clear. I was just talking to Sarah about this earlier in terms of like friendship boundaries. Talking behind my back just is not okay. That is a boundary for me. Now, am I going to lead with that in a friendship? No, probably not. But if something comes up and we're talking about somebody else who is maybe talking behind somebody's back or I find out that somebody was, that's when I'm going to communicate the boundary. I'm not going to X that person out of my life, but I'm going to say, you know, friendship really means a lot to me and I want you to know and trust that I'm not going to speak badly behind your back, that if I say anything behind your back, it's only going to be lovely things that are kind that you would be proud to hear me say. And for someone to be a friend to me, they they have to respect that boundary of mine. I want to know that you will not speak behind my back in a disparaging or unkind way. And that if you hear other people doing it, that you're going to say something and know that I will do that for you too. Is that a boundary that makes sense for you? Are you willing to do that? And if they say no, then it's not like, I hate you, you're dead to me. It's just, well, this is not going to work for a close personal circle with me. Like, I hope I still see you at the barbecue this summer. But like, you're not in my circle because my circle is really sacred to me. And as always, yes, there is gray area. Maybe you've communicated the boundary about honesty with your spouse and you just found out they cheated. That's tough. That's absolutely tough. But then we can go back to some of those questions like, how can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? Is there a way for us to grow in this together? Where have I made assumptions? What else could this mean? And using some of those tools to work through those gray areas. So here is to building emotional resilience. And I think a big part that will help this is when we go through this free mental and emotional spring cleaning e-series because a lot of the stuff that gets in the way of our emotional resilience is just junk we need to clear out. Old patterns, fears, doubts, etc. that we can clear out. So I want to wrap up by reminding you to go to the show notes for today's episode, primalpotential.com forward slash 593 to make sure you're on the list for that mental and emotional spring cleaning e-series that kicks off on Monday, May 6th. Remember, every choice is a chance. So every single interaction that makes you a little aggravated or uncomfortable is a chance to build emotional resilience. And I hope you'll grab those opportunities. Make it a great day. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.